3: Good morning, I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. The pandemic was a time of terrible loss, but we've come to learn things might have been even worse had it struck just a few years earlier, before we had new ways to rapidly develop vaccines, and before new technology allowed millions of us to stay safe by working from home. Remote work, of course, is still very much with us usually loved by employees and, predictably, resisted by many employers. David Pogue's been hard at work searching for the home office balance in our future.
4: We've traditionally gone to work at a place of work.
5: The mentoring, the training that you get, the network building you get, all of that's critical.
4: But the pandemic taught us that a lot of work can be done anywhere.
5: I don't think we're going back to 2019 ever, so we've kind of stabilized at maybe a quarter of
4: work days done remotely. Ahead on Sunday morning, the new normal of the hybrid work week.
3: Lee Cowan has the true story of a man who laid down the law in the Old West, a trailblazer in every sense of the word.
6: Westerns are having a bit of a comeback of late, and with them arrive some long-overdue corrections to frontier history.
7: I am by no means the first actor, producer, writer, director to try and get this story told. Many have tried. you think he can handle the weight of the badge?
6: The resurrection of a man with a badge named Bass. Ahead on Sunday morning.
7: Want to wager on that?
3: plus Luke Burbank with a sign of the times, the Hollywood sign at 100, and more on this Sunday morning for the 5th of November, 2023. We'll be right back.
1: Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas, and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy.
4: You'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
3: It may be Sunday morning, but Monday will be here all too soon. For millions of us, that used to mean heading to the office, until the pandemic hit, forcing those who could to work from home. As David Pogue shows us, it's an option many workers continue to embrace, even demand.
4: Until the pandemic, most office workers went into the office five days a week. During the pandemic, they mostly worked from home. So as the pandemic eased, you might've expected that they'd go back to the office five days a week. That's certainly what Jamie Dimon expected. He's the CEO of America's largest bank.
5: We want people back at work. And my view is sometime September, October, it'll look just like it did
4: before. As it turns out, the workers rush back to the office full time, never happened. What they really like most people is
5: working from home two or three days a week, because that saves on the commute time. It gives them more time with kids and family. It gives them more personal autonomy and how they organize their day. Even things as small as I can have the temperature at the temperature I like.
4: (laughs) Stephen Davis is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford. He and his co-authors surveyed 30,000 Americans about work. And what they said is hybrid hits the sweet spot. Most people really, really like it. So that kind of broke the norm. Of course, not all kinds of workers can work remotely, even so, at this point, about a third of Americans are working on a hybrid schedule, and that number is expected to grow as more employers go hybrid.
8: We believe that the future of work is hybrid, for sure. That's gonna be the modern work style.
4: Kelly Steckelberg is the chief financial officer of Zoom. Yes, that Zoom, the company whose video chat software helped make remote working a thing in the first place. The company now expects its own local workers to come into the office two days a week.
8: So we have product engineering, for example, comes on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, sales and marketing come on Tuesdays and Thursdays because we don't have enough space any longer to host everyone at the same time.
4: Oh, so you, you are in effect saving money on office
8: space. We are saving money. We have actually downsized our space during the pandemic. We, we closed some of our offices.
4: Bringing the company's workers back after the pandemic, even two days a week, was an adjustment at first.
8: We're all human, right? We don't like change. Once they've been doing it for a few weeks, they remember how great it is to see their friends and colleagues in the office and and they like it more.
4: Of course, less time in the office means less time for new hires to learn the company culture and less time to mentor younger workers.
8: You have to be a little bit more deliberate about that. And that's what we had to do during the pandemic. I would just schedule a 15-minute, like, catch-up. Hey, how are you? How, how is your life going? Those I make sure that I continue to schedule those video check-ins on a regular basis.
4: So if hybrid work is so great, how come we weren't using it before? One big reason, technology. Video programs like Zoom, messaging programs like Slack, and collaboration tools like Google Docs. If the
5: pandemic had struck 20 years earlier, it would have been infeasible to have the
4: same kind of shift to work from home. Wow, I mean, there aren't many things to be grateful for with the pandemic, but that it waited until 2020, <laughs> okay. that's that's one of them. That's one of them. Before the pandemic, there was also a stigma about working from home. How could bosses know that their workers weren't just goofing off? The boss can't observe what the workers are doing. To what degree are managers installing monitoring software on their remote workers' machines?
5: Most workers dislike the intrusive quality that I, every keystroke and where I'm looking on my computer screen and how often I'm sitting down is being monitored.
4: They dislike that, they? They
5: dislike that, <laughs> yes. So what works better is evaluating people on their performance rather than trying to watch exactly what they do. So this was something
8: that we developed over the last two years.
4: At Zoom headquarters, workspace executive Alana Collins showed me some of Zoom's new products for hybrid work. There's an offsite receptionist who can cover multiple floors or even buildings. Are you the building-wide receptionist?
9: I am, how can I help you?
4: Oh, uh, I'm expecting a huge crate of Skittles. Can you arrange to have that delivered to my desk?
10: I absolutely can.
4: (laughs) Thank you, love your work. And there's a system for reserving a desk on the days you come to work, or a conference room. Yeah, that's my kind of meeting, <laughs> two people. All right. You could
8: select the time right here.
4: Oh, okay. Oh yeah, oh no, I, I believe in long meetings.
8: <laughs> and this will immediately change to red, letting everybody know that I have that meeting room all day.
4: But hybrid doesn't always mean two days a week. There are many flavors of hybrid work. We identify 22 weeks a year, and we say we would like folks to try to be in person those weeks. It's three days a week, but only every other week? Kind of. Generally, we would like them to be in person, a minimum of about 25 percent. At the Ohio headquarters of Smucker's, the company famous for jams and jellies, CEO Mark Smucker has developed a hybrid version of hybrid. Our attrition is down and our productivity has improved and folks really seem to like it. We have been able to retract new talent from multiple geographies. Geographies like San Francisco.
8: I have my dream job, it's based in Ohio, working with people that I really like working with, but I'm, I have my dream life and you know my family in California.
4: Smucker's marketing executive, Nicole Massey, works from her West Coast home most days, but spends six days a month in Ohio.
8: You have to really think about what am I gonna do this week when I'm in the office or versus what am I gonna do when I'm remote? Because in order to get the best of both, you have, to, you have to be intentional about it.
4: So let's see. The hybrid employer gets improved morale, better productivity, lower real estate costs, and the ability to hire from beyond the local area. The hybrid employee gets more time of family and community, less time commuting, and the ability to control the thermostat. And the planet gets cleaner air because less time commuting means less polluting. This is starting to sound like a win win for all parties. I mean, who loses in the hybrid arrangement? Oh, there's some losers. If you go to downtown San Francisco, you'll see, you'll see the losers. It's true. In the top 10 U.S. cities, office attendance is about half what it was before the pandemic. With so few people coming downtown, everything is collapsing the price of real estate, tax revenues, and transit ridership. And think about all the restaurants, bars, and hotels. Many have shifted schedules or even closed. The last time America's work life shifted so dramatically was during the Great Depression, when Franklin Roosevelt signed the 40-hour work week into law. Now, after the upheaval of the pandemic, Stanford Stephen Davis is confident that the five-day in-person work week is history.
5: I think we're close to the new normal. There's more choice for people now, and that's why I think it's a good thing. People have more flexibility, more personal autonomy in how they want to organize their lives.
9: That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah.
11: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Something really big just happened to something really big in the hills over Hollywood. Luke Burbank tells us all about it.
12: No one thought things would turn out the way they did. It was just that back in 1923, real estate developers S.H. Woodruff and Tracy Schultz had a problem.
2: So most people were living in downtown L.A., south of Wilshire, and they came up with this gimmick of how how do we attract people from downtown L.A. into the Hollywood Hills to buy land.
12: Sales for their new housing development, nestled at the foot of the Santa Monica Mountains, were sluggish. So, businessman Jeff Zerenim says they had an idea.
2: They came up with this gigantic sign that said Hollywood Land. It was only supposed to last about 18 months.
12: That 18 months has stretched out to 100 years. A story only Hollywood could write. A temporary real estate ad that's become one of the most iconic images on planet Earth. Here we go. And it's still here, thanks to Zarinem
2: and his fellow members of the Hollywood Sign Trust. Some people ask me, you know, how do you get this job? It's, it's not really a job. It's, it's, it's a volunteer position. There's, there's no pay in maintaining the Hollywood sign. I do this for the, for the love of Hollywood and for the sheer joy of doing it. Part of why the
12: sign is so iconic? The sheer number of times it's shown up in movies and TV over the years.
6: a perfect spot for the starting line
1: of the amazing race.
12: The Hollywood sign has also drawn countless dreamers to Los Angeles over the years, looking for their moment in the spotlight, which is where Adam Burke comes in. Hollywoodland was really about putting L.A. on the map as being one of the creative capitals of the world. So it was really designed to become what it really has become, which is a global marquee for not just L.A., but for the film and television industry. Burke runs the L.A. Tourism and Convention Board and thinks this might be the most valuable sign in the world. Last year alone, visitors to the broader L.A. area generated $34.5 billion dollars of business sales to our local community. Some of which ends up in Chris Nye's pocket. I have a first aid kit and we'll deal with anything. There are no bathrooms on the hike. Nye is a tour guide who leads groups of excited tourists up to a spot near the sign on most days. He says those tourists are excited because seeing the sign is like seeing a celebrity. They need something sort of a cliche to say,
2: you know, live from Los Angeles or from Hollywood, so they keep taking the same picture of these nine stupid letters on the side of Mount Lee (laughs) over and over and over again, and uh, and that's why it's become
12: so iconic. Now, you say nine stupid letters, but you're leading tours up there, so you must think it's pretty cool. Well, what I enjoy is the enthusiasm that people have of seeing the sign for the first time and sharing that with people. Is this the only way
2: down to the letters? This is it, man.
12: We were enthusiastic as well, and thanks to Jeff Zerenim, our CBS crew was allowed to go so sidestep. All right, right and down uh, to the sign.
2: I assume this is how Clark Gable used to do it. Yeah, I never saw him do it, though. <laughs> this is where it really sinks in to see how oh my goodness. large these letters are. Wow.
10: Amazing. There you
2: have it. From down below, you think that the, all the letters are in the same plane, uh-huh. but you can see that they're all offset from one another.
12: In fact, it's that undulation determined by the hillside that allows the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce to trademark the sign. Otherwise, it would just be a word.
2: You can really see from this angle that they're not in the same plane. They're all, you know, kind of facing in different directions.
12: The first version of the sign was made of wood and sheet metal and covered in thousands of lights. But by 1944, high winds and weather had taken their toll.
2: Some of the letters had fallen over. The H had fallen down. It said Hollywood land for a long time.
12: By the late 1970s, the letters L-A-N-D were long gone, and the sign was in grave disrepair. So the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce went looking for $250,000 to replace it and got the money from some unlikely benefactors.
2: First person who actually stepped up to the plate was Alice Cooper. The rock star. The, the rock star, uh, up-and-coming rock star. Alice Cooper is the first one to donate $27,777.
12: As did Hugh Hefner, publisher of Playboy, Andy Williams, the singer, actor, and cowboy Gene Autry, and the guy who invented that car price guide, the Kelly Blue Book.
2: This is the entire crew of the guys that worked on the Hollywood sign in 1978, so all of their names are welded into the I-beam of the O.
12: Of course... This is Hollywood, home of the facelift, and the Hollywood sign has had its share over the years. Do you think it's going to be here 100 years from now? 100%. The audaciousness of the project, to me, is really still symbolic of the way L.A. approaches anything. We we don't do things halfway. It's really go big or go home. As it turns 100, the Hollywood sign is, as they say around here,
11: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
9: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
3: We all could use an escape these days and what better way than immersing yourself in a good old fashioned Western. Lee Cowan has wrangled up the true story of a lawman of the old West who's finally getting his due.
6: In the lore of the American West, where heroes are made of both lawmen and the lawless. There's a story of a man as tough as Billy the Kid, as good with a gun as Wild Bill Hickok, and as fast as a horse on the
10: Pony Express. He was like the Michael Jordan of uh, Frontier Lawman. <laughs> he could whip any two men with his bare hands.
6: At six foot two, Deputy U.S. Marshal Bass Reeves was as imposing as his mustache. So strong, it was said if he spit on a brick, it would shatter. He roamed the heart of the Indian and Oklahoma territories, almost with impunity. A nightmare for any outlaw, says author and African-American studies expert, Art Burton.
10: When I was doing the research, I I was shaking my head all the time and saying, people are not going to believe this.
6: You'd think a wild, Wild West tale like that would almost tell itself. But when Burton began rustling up some research for a book on Reeves, he kept hitting dead ends. Like when he tried to trace the Bass Reeves
10: family tree. A lady answered the phone, and she said she had never heard of him. I said, well, he's an African-American who was a deputy marshal. And she was very kind about it. She said, sir, I'm sorry. We do not keep black people's history here.
6: Before he was a lawman, Reeves was a fugitive, a runaway slave from Texas. Imagine that, a former slave who eventually made a name for himself by arresting white people, no less. And yet his extraordinary story has largely been as forgotten as a ghost town and Oklahomans say his time has come. He's
7: a black man. I mean, he, he's a stuff of legend. I cannot imagine him being white and having the kind of career he had and it not be a major motion picture already, you know, maybe several times over. It sort of feels intentional almost, the fact that we don't know more about him.
2: We're set and action.
6: To actor David Oyelowo, the tale of Bass Reeves has all the same ingredients as the Lone Ranger, only better.
7: The Lone Ranger. It's one thing to be a white guy with a mask riding a pretty damn wonderful horse. (laughs) It's another thing to be doing that with limited resources. You're a black man coming out of enslavement and you do it for 30 plus years and no one is paying you any attention.
6: When we talked with him this past spring, he was trying to correct history's omission by acting in and executive producing an eight-part series for Paramount Plus, our sister network,
7: called Lawmen. Bass Reeves. How about I return that part in exchange for information?
4: Maybe I would just kill you instead.
7: Could try. But you'd be going after a deputy U.S. marshal and there's half a dozen more I sign.
6: It's a massive production.
7: Charlie Mark.
6: Shot mostly on a ranch in Texas with veteran actors like Donald Sutherland.
1: You up for the task? I wouldn't be sitting
7: here my son the best
1: if I wasn't. And Dennis Quaid. You are the most earnest man I have ever met. It's great to do a Western man. It's like being 12 years old again, it really is.
6: (laughs) Quaid was equally impressed with Bass Reeves' real-life loyalty to the law.
1: The thing was is that Bass Reeves really was the real deal. He really was
6: that. Who's your master? George Reeves.
7: He a major in eleven Texas Cavalry.
6: Oyelowo says he studied recordings
7: of slave narratives found in the Library of Congress to get his speech patterns just right. I'm speaking in my own English accent with you guys today. Normally, that's not how we roll. He also learned to roll and ride. I'm always looking for opportunities to scare myself, and that really did it.
6: (laughs) He certainly had his share of insights into the man Bass Reeves must have been.
7: Gotta admit certain likeness, wouldn't you agree? But the role was also
6: a reminder that no matter how long it takes, light always illuminates greatness.
7: A tenet I live my life by is that excellence is the best weapon against prejudice. He was excellent. It was difficult to just say, oh, that's a black man who is unworthy, who should be subjugated. You couldn't dismiss him in that way. And that's also the reason why to not celebrate him is wrong.
6: Bass Reeves lived to be 71, spending his final years in the frontier town of
3: Muskogee.
6: If you ever find yourself out here, take a walk through the Three Rivers Museum, where Reeves is still remembered.
3: The fearless and dedicated lawman.
6: And he celebrated every year at the Bass Reeves Western History Conference.
10: Yes, sir. Bass Reeves was as good as they came. And when he died, he was American hero. Is the
6: mustache real? Uh mustache is real? I give pulls for $10. <laughs> no one knows where the real Bass Reeves is buried. And maybe that only adds to the mystique. I know better. For author Art Burton, that doesn't matter. The child in it wants to thank Bass Reeves for giving him and other black Americans a tip of the hat to a legend
10: all their own. I used to always wonder, where were we? So it was like God answered my prayers by giving me somebody before I passed away that said, well, we were part of the scene, too.
1: Every day,
12: our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human.
8: Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of.
12: At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human.
1: Amica, empathy is our best policy.
9: Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure
3: Thank you for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning.
0: If you like CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Survivor's back,
12: and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.
9: Did you want to come cook with us? Vamos! Yeah. Let's get cooking. Your preschooler can swing into action with Dora in Boots for a musical adventure in her brand new podcast. A recipe for Adventure. It's Dora's recipe for adventure, and she's cooking up special treats with all her friends and family. We've got everyone's favorite dishes. Paleta. We're cooking up a family adventure, and Dora has the perfect recipe. Listen to Dora's recipe for adventure wherever you get your podcasts.